promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Don't regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I messed up. I know. Pastor messing up? What? Uh... The uh, so-called preaching text that we have for this week is actually out of Exodus 16, so I should have done that on Tuesday, in our Tuesdays in the Old Testament, but I chose that reading from, from First Chronicles because I, I felt I, I needed to, it spoke to me more uh, for that day. And so we would normally have had, that, had uh, our, an epistle text for today that would be fitting with what it is that we were going to be preaching on. And this, this text actually fits uh, in many, many different ways, uh, but it won't be a text that's read on Sunday. But this is Titus chapter 3. It's probably one of my most favorite chapters in all of Scripture, uh, behind probably none and ahead of none. I, I love them all. But... Uh, I say this in part that it fits because if you go back and you read the large catechism, which is sort of Luther's uh, commentary on the small catechism, it was written for us pastors so that we would know what to preach when it comes to the catechism. But here in chapter 3, uh, it, it gives us connection to what the large catechism has to say about give us this day our daily bread, where the large catechism goes on for quite a length, talking about how when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're actually praying for good government. We're praying for our rulers. We're praying for our authorities. That at a certain point in the large catechism, Luther says that uh, on every seal, of every prince and baron and all that stuff, it should be a loaf of bread because they need to understand what their role is to be able to make sure that their people are fed. Uh, because that was the way things uh, were back then in the sense of the control of the elite, the elite being the ones in power, the ones in power being the ones who set the prices, who are the landowners, uh, who uh, are the ones who hire out the peasants, all those things. And so we come to today and you think about it, how government impacts 
everything from supply chain issues like we're having today uh, with how the roads are taken care of, how imports can get brought into the country, uh, how those imports are managed, um, that the prices of corn and milk and all those other things are set by larger organizations that are overseen by the government. Um, and then taxes. If we're taxed too much, in many respects, it's hard for us to afford our daily bread uh, when we have to go and buy it from someone else because our daily bread is something that is supplied to us uh, by God through other people. Unless we're a farmer, then it's supplied to us. Uh, um, it's supplied to us by uh, the work that we do, uh, which is through our gifts as a, as a farmer, but also supplied to us by the sun, the water, the ground, uh, the, the seed manufacturers, all those things. And so here in Titus 3, when it begins, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. It's this place in which there's this call by Paul for us to continually pray for our rulers and our authorities, not to make things harder for them for what they're supposed to do, but also pray that they won't make things harder for us either, uh, not to slander them, to avoid fighting, uh, always showing gentleness. It goes along with the with the Eighth Commandment explanation there says that we we're supposed to hold everything that someone does or says in the best possible light. Um, but then it goes on to give the reason why. Why should we be doing this? Well, number one, because our government is full of human beings and particularly sinners. And he describes them and us in this way. He says, For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. That is Christ. That, that he tells us that part of the reason why we're supposed to show deference, part of the reason why we're supposed to be humble, part of the reason why we're supposed to understand the humanity and the brokenness of the world, the humanity and brokenness of our government, the humanity and brokenness of ourselves, the humanity and brokenness, sinfulness of, of everyone that we come into contact with because we are all that way, is because it has an impact on the story of God and in amongst us. Where it says here that Jesus was the embodiment, embodiment of God's kindness and love for mankind. Not just for you, not just for me, but for mankind. That he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Whether people want to trust that or not, that's up to the work of the Holy Spirit and faith being, being birthed in them. But it says that he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. That it is that you can't make yourself better that you can't try and punish other people in, in, in a way of, of wanting to, to destroy their life, slander them, hate them, uh, to, to destroy their reputation, all these different things, because we need to understand where we stand in the pecking order, that we are all on the same playing field. 
There were all the dry bones in Ezekiel that need to be brought to life, that were all sinful and unclean, in bondage to sin. And it says that he's done this, this saving work through washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Some people allude to baptism here. I certainly would. It's part of the text that we have in our small catechism for the section on the sacrament of baptism. But here it's this washing of us that comes to us, not by us, but from outside of us. And this is something that he's poured out onto us abundantly through his word and through his sacraments, through the spirit. So that having been justified by his grace, we have become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Notice that he begins with saying that it happens for all mankind and that it's then we, this communal thing. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are praying in part, in part, for that good government, for good supply chains, for all the hands that, that, that have their part in what takes place to make sure that I can have a sandwich for lunch. But then also we're praying for that daily bread that God gives to us and the fact that he lifts us up from the ashes and gives us new life in Christ. That he has done that for all people and that it's our job to actually maybe go out and remind people of that. That when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we know we're all beggars and we need to receive from his hand what it is that he gives us. And part of that bread is his life for us because he is the bread of life, right? That's what we heard in John 6 last week. Well, as you go through this day, maybe think about in what ways has God provided you with daily bread today? In what ways have you been turned to actually pray and to think of those who are in need of that daily bread? And, and who are the ones working to get that daily bread to us? And may we hold them in the best possible light, giving thanks to God that they are there to help us and that we could continue, continue to have our hearts turn to him, knowing that we are those dry bones needing new life, but so is our neighbor. <laughs> and that when we say, give us this day our daily bread, we're praying for all of us, not just us, but even our worst enemy, that they might be given life in him. Let us pray. God who gives daily bread without our prayer, even to all the wicked, we pray that you would give us to acknowledge your benefits and enable us to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord.